Please remain standing for God's word in just a moment. I hope you've been blessed by the messages that Pastor Jeff has been preaching on discipleship. And this morning I approach this final message in this series on discipleship humbly. As we read together the scripture lesson this morning, and we need to consider the opportunity and the reality of counting the cost as it pertains to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm extremely mindful of what my brothers and sisters in Christ, who call Ukraine their home, is enduring because of a Russian invasion and aggression against their sovereignty. The images we have seen from the comfort of our homes demonstrate so clearly a people who have considered the cost and made the choice to defend their freedom led by the president of their country. And it has only been brought to my attention within the last 48 hours that some of you know people in Ukraine. I happen to have just found out that my son-in-law Daniel's relatives on his grandmother's side all live in Ukraine. Fortunately, at the moment, they're apart away from all of the cities. But it doesn't take much for things to come close to home. So with our friends from Ukraine in our hearts and minds, we read these words from Luke 14, verses 25 to 35. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you and they would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll sell a send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear, may they listen and understand. You may be seated. It is my prayer this morning that God will help each one of us understand 
his word for our lives today. Do you hear what Jesus is saying in the midst of these words? If you want to be my disciple, you must. Don't begin until you count the cost. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything. These are challenging words which can easily be dismissed in the midst of the comforts of our Western culture. But what's the difference between salvation and discipleship? Wern Wiersbe, in his commentary on the Gospel of Luke, powerfully puts it this way. Salvation is open to all who will come by faith, while discipleship is for believers willing to pay a price. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus, while discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. As we consider the words of Jesus, it is vital for us to understand who Jesus is speaking to. At this point in the gospel, we see that there's a large crowd who is following Jesus. Some were disciples. Some were probably religious leaders and others who opposed Jesus. Most of them were simply intrigued by the stories. The stories that they've heard and the miracles that they have witnessed. And they want to see more. It is in this context that Jesus takes a moment to declare that there is a radical difference between following Jesus with the crowd and following Jesus as a true disciple. Jesus wants the crowd and for each one of us to know that being his disciple is far more than just receiving him into our lives and taking him wherever we go. Rather, it's about letting Jesus change our lives, lead our lives by his ways, not our ways, by his plans, not our plans to have him build our lives, not just us building our own lives. I believe that one of the reasons why the gospel is having such a difficult time getting traction in our Western culture is because we are living with Jesus and we are not paying a price to live for Jesus. We have him following our plans rather than us following his ways. As we look closely at this passage, we find that to, true discipleship requires first and foremost full allegiance to Christ 
an allegiance that ultimately stands above our deep love for family because he died for us. I think of the deep allegiance that the men of Ukraine are experiencing right now. As they stay behind, as their mothers and their wives and their children, their grandchildren, go and seek safety. True discipleship requires the willingness to suffer. Jesus suffered for us. And before we leave worship this morning, we're going to celebrate communion. Christ's body was broken for us. Christ's blood was poured out for us. And then true discipleship requires that we realize that there is a cost and we must count the cost. The life and mission of Jesus cost Jesus his life. And as Paul declared to the Romans, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While so much can be said about these verses that God has placed on my heart weeks ago, not knowing what was going to unfold days ago. God really centered me on this phrase this morning. Verse 28. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? In Jesus' day, throughout the Roman and Greek world, buildings, magnificent structures were built with stones, and many of them were large stones weighing tons and tons and tons. And they were cut from rock and placed in a particular spot to create the temple and other magnificent structures. So as we consider these words, listen to the words of Peter. In the second chapter of 1 Peter, verses 4 and 5. So keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight, come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. Here's the point that I truly want us to understand this morning. 
that one aspect of the Christian life and the kingdom of God is that he is building, that God is building his children into the sanctuary of God and the living stone Christ is the cornerstone, the capstone, and we are living, little living stones. And two realities must be true for our lives. The first one is this. We must, if we are a living stone, be willing to be chiseled by God. The prophet Isaiah wrote these words, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. In Jesus Christ, we're all living stones dug out from God's quarry. The same quarry that brought forth Abraham and Sarah, Moses and David, Ruth and Esther, Joseph and Samuel, Hannah and Mary, Paul and Peter, just to name a few in the pages of Scripture. But they are joined by men and women throughout the centuries that have been dug out of God's quarry and our lives are dug out of that same quarry from those who have gone before us. Think about that. But we're not just dug out. We are chiseled by God, shaped to be the living stone God wants us to be. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but... When I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray, Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What, what's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And... Uh, Start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me, and you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here and then you come back and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel, control, chisel, control, chisel? No, 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 chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> this right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life, or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
eat your whole life. <laughs> this is hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No, you were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror because inside is a scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't, I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're going to find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a... It's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. And you are each an original living stone. Having been chiseled and will continue to be chiseled for his purposes. If you are truly his disciple. And this leads us to the second reality. We must be willing to be placed by God. Think about it for a moment. You're a living stone, but stones don't get to choose where they're placed, right? Stones don't get to choose where they're placed. It was in March of 1994, almost uh, 18 years ago, that Elizabeth and I made our first trip to Ohio. 
We came to the small farming community of Columbia Station, just five miles down the road. It was a very gray, cold, muddy, and slushy weekend. You know what those weekends look like. We were treated well by the church that was interested in having us become their pastor. We went into their parsonage, and there was actually a family of 14 Two adults, 12 children who lived in Ukraine and came to this country and was settled by this small church. 14 people in a house with four bedrooms. Obviously, it would be enough room for us. I remember sitting in the Cleveland airport at the end of our weekend waiting for the waiting to board the plane to go back to Boston. Elizabeth turned to me as she always does and asked, so what do you think? And I replied, there is nothing that's really attracting me to come. But this I know. This is the place I'm supposed to be. This is where God is placing this living stone. 28 years later, six kids, four we've adopted, nine grandchildren, we're still here in Northeast Ohio. Why? Because God who dug us out of his quarry, God who chiseled us and continues to chisel us, placed these living stones right here to be continue to be chiseled with other chiseled stones in Northeast Ohio, that together we might be the sanctuary of God for the world to see. We are all shaped by the same stone cutter with the same care and the same desire of God to fit into the exact place he has designed for you in his spiritual house or his sanctuary. Why? to reveal and display to the world the glory of God. Christ carried his cross. He paid the price of his life for us. And if we want to be his disciples, we must be willing to be chiseled into the likeness of Christ and to be placed right where he wants us. Think about it this way. If God doesn't place, in the, place you in the building of his sanctuary, you're not a living stone, but you're a stumbling block. Alone and set apart. Let me put it another way by asking a question and sharing with you a short illustration you may have heard the question is this are you contributing or are you committing there's a hog in a hen who shared the same barnyard and heard about the church's program to feed the hungry 
The hog and the hen discussed how they could help. The hen said, I've got it. We'll provide bacon and eggs for the church to feed the hungry. And the hog thought about that suggestion and said this, there's only one problem with your bacon and egg solution. For you, hen, it only requires a contribution. But for me, it will mean total commitment. That's the cost of true discipleship. Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father. We thank you. That when we we thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross while we were yet sinners so that once we receive Christ as our Savior and our Lord you could begin the work of digging us out of that quarry and chiseling us from just a rock to a living stone. With a specific purpose and place to join together with other living stones to become your very presence and sanctuary for the world to see. Father, as we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters and the citizens of Ukraine, Lord, may we be mindful of the true cost to be your disciple. As we partake of the bread and the cup in a few moments, Lord, may we be reminded of the total commitment you gave for us. Father, continue to minister to us as we prepare to receive communion this morning. In Jesus' name.